0: it's another saturday night in comedy and tonight we take to the airwaves with two of comedy's most prolific podcasts from one of comedy's top pods springing from a long-running cbc radio hit to the official saturday night live podcast taking us behind the scenes in one of comedy's most iconic institutions it's a doubleheader on the air i'm dean young and we're about to go inside the joke Welcome to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to Inside Jokes, baby, right here on 640 Toronto. And of course, as always, streaming all across the known multiverse on Global News Online. This week's episode is once again brought to you by literally no one at all. Just a reminder Inside Jokes, as we approach season eight, is open for biz. We are looking for sponsors of any kind, and trust me, we are not picky. This is Canadian Comedy Radio. We have our producer Vince Tedesco on the air. Speaking of comedy radio, Vince, that's pretty much the whole theme of uh, tonight's panel because we are Ooh. flipping over to the land of the pod. So, yes, nice segue. You hit podcasts though that cover really one of the most iconic, long-running CBC radio shows in Canadian comedy. And another podcast that takes us behind the scenes of SNL, which of course is one of the longest running, if not the biggest institution in the history of comedy. Uh, So we have, of course, podcast covering the debaters, which again has been a long running CBC radio hit here in Canada. Uh, And the podcast itself is constantly in the top 10 rated podcasts. That's a massive hit. So we're checking in with our friend, Steve Patterson, who of course is the long running host of the debaters, both in its actual radio and pod form. And then, yeah, a little later on, Vince, This is kind of an exciting treat. We're going to flip it over to John Schneider, who produces the the behind-the-scenes Saturday Night Live podcast, which, I mean, five-plus decades of that long-running hit show. There's so much lore and history and absurd stories that have happened on that stage and in those hallways. So we're going to dive into some of what that podcast is all about and how much of that stuff is sort of confidential things that listeners might not otherwise get to hear about because there's a lot of pretty... Caliente things that have happened in 30 Rock. Yeah, that's
1: what I want to know. Is he gonna lay out some dirt like behind? That's the what I want to know. What's
0: the actual dirt? I mean, for any of our listeners who read that SNL book that came out about a decade ago, which kind of told a lot of untold stories live from New York, uh, this is sort of the podcast answer to that. And of course, now we've had 10 years of different casts ever since then. So, how much of the current cast plays into that show and how much of the backstory? We're gonna get into it. It's all about the podcasts. We are doing it for the love of pod Vince. Right here, right now on Inside Jokes. Welcome back to Inside Jokes, baby, right here on 640 Toronto. And of course, as always, streaming coast to coast, Canada-wide, and in fact, planet Earth-wide on the Global News Radio Network. First off, we are sitting down with Steve Patterson, the award-winning host behind CBC Radio's long-running hit show and now podcast, the debaters. Steve, how are you doing tonight, man?
2: I'm I'm good, thanks, Dean. I keep nodding when you're saying things and realizing this is an audio show. So I'm doing what <laughs> what people do, our debaters do on the radio. They sometimes do stuff that only works audio-wise. So yes, everything you said. Yes, thank you, Dean.
0: <laughs> it is, I mean, it is, you know, you were telling us just before the break. I mean, The Debaters has been on the air for 17 seasons now. And of course, now it's also picked up traction in its podcast form. It's, a, it's consistently in the top 10 most downloaded Canadian podcasts, it's always in the top of the charts. Even, being, even having a hit comedy show like this and such a loyal listener base and being on the air for 17 plus seasons, I mean, what is really, what do you think, what is the secret formula to having a long-running hit show like that? I mean, as we know, here in Canada it is kind of hard to have that tenure in comedy where you keep something on the air for that long and with such a diehard fan base.
2: Yeah, well, I mean... You know the CBC listenership gets a little bit antsy when you say "die hard" because they do <laughs> they they would they would like to make death as difficult as possible. Um, I I think that the reason that this show successful you know, no matter no matter what format live radio or podcast especially is there's always different voices and if they are the yeah. if we do bring voices back in they they get their favorites they're talking about different topics so we've got enough things going on that there's enough very variations and variants we're bringing in new comics that might not have been heard before or you're hearing comedians that you know but in a different way because they're doing an argument type of comedy as opposed to just stand-up so it's it's the thing that I do that I invite my friends to wherever we're going wherever we tape I'm like you got to come to this taping because you're gonna you're gonna love it as opposed to you know I probably wouldn't tell them every time I came through doing an hour of stand up because they've, they've seen me do an hour of standup before, but there's so much um, there's so much variety on the show, be it different voices or different topics with their favorite voices that it's, it's always something different.
0: Well, and I think that's, you know, and it's kind of funny because in a way it kind of ties into the whole podcast thing because With the debaters, again, like you said, yes, there's a lot of new voices in Canadian comedy who get to sort of flex their writing and debating muscles on that show. But for listeners of the show who are familiar with some of these more household names in comedy, it is a chance for you to see some of those comics. You know their material. You've seen them on galas. You've seen them on festivals and specials. But you get to see them step outside of their material and just sort of step on stage more as themselves. And it's a bit of a writing exercise. I kind of feel like that's why podcasting became so synonymous with comedy is because a lot of these performers that we already know and we know them from their material, you're getting sort of a raw, real version of them where they're just sort of they're stepping off stage and they're they're sort of just opening the behind the scenes doors in a way and letting listeners into them in a way that you don't get to see them when they're just glued to their material.
2: Yeah, I I think you're right. I I hope you're right. The numbers seem to be bearing that out. And it's uh, the nice thing about this particular show we've had a big long run 17 seasons is a, is a big long run so as, in terms of we didn't have to come up with a format for a podcast we we literally are able to just go this is the show and the podcast is the uh I can say this to you guys because this is not a CBC show I, I tell people listen to the podcast if you can because it's it gets an extra four minutes that the uh, radio version doesn't get because we have to have news at the top and the bottom of each hour right so you're getting you're getting four more minutes, so it's a slightly different edit, and inevitably those four minutes are pretty funny. So the podcast has become a really popular version, not just because people can listen whenever and wherever they want, obviously, but because it's actually a little bit longer. It's a little bit more like like being there than uh, than the radio version. Not not to say we don't want to keep doing the radio version. We do. <laughs> we like it, but, but the um, but that we actually have four Right? Who wouldn't want an extra four minutes, Dean? I don't even care what we're talking about here.
0: Well, it is kind of funny too, because that, you know, not too long ago that was sort of a new concept was taking a hit live show and going, well, we'll just simulcast that as a podcast. I mean, Comedy Bang Bang obviously very notably did that from the start. Kevin Pollock's chat show. And it was kind of funny at first. I think Real Time with Bill Maher was doing that, but it was kind of funny at first because it was like, well, you're just taking this thing and then taking the audio from it and just boom, now it's a podcast. Uh, but there's a demand for that. I mean, there's an entire audience that wants these shows in that form, and I think it kind of speaks to—I don't know—maybe it's our attention span now. I don't know what it is, because everybody wants to just stream content at exactly when they want to, in as bite-sized chunks as they want to. Everything's all about just sort of being on demand and putting the audience more in control of their own content.
2: Exactly, and it's at the same time, you know, when I when I, I do agree with you that people's attention spans are going down and down, and I honestly either I read this or I dreamt it that I think the human attention span is shorter than a goldfish is now. And I, I have no trouble thinking that, believing that I think you've got about, I think you have about seven seconds to catch a person's attention. And if you don't, you know, in comedy, if you haven't made them laugh in seven seconds, they're They're going to look elsewhere. However, if you have this format that we have that the debates take generally, I think there's 15 minutes per debate, 15 minutes can seem long to people, but, the way we do it it moves pretty quickly and it builds on itself and there's a vote at the end and people honestly want to see who won the debate even though you know the fate of the world doesn't exactly rest on our debates but people want to hear which one wins and that's what I, that's what i'm told for people all the time we listen in our car or wherever and you know the kids vote for one person and the parents vote for someone else and i, I like to think we're bringing people together while also tearing families apart dean and i think we're doing job. <laughs>
0: Well, that's what I love about this show, too. I mean, the format is brilliant, but it's also it, it, it involves the audience so much. I mean, when you go see, you know, aside from actually listening to the CBC show and listening to the podcast, when you go to a taping of the debaters, it's like it involves the audience. It's an event. You get to it includes the audience. You get to be a part of the actual process. There's almost this sort of comedy town hall feeling yes. to it. You know, it's like a Canadian comedy version of like going to like a taping of a prairie home companion or something you're you're there for an event in a way and not a lot of shows are really doing that i think that's sort of been the secret to the success as well is that it's just such a unique format in canadian comedy and it's so participatory for the listeners
2: yeah i think you're right and, and i i actually love that people bring their kids and we've been on long enough that you know i get people coming up to me that are 30 year olds or in their 20s going i, I grew up with your show i started listening when i was literally a kid and uh it does make me feel old, but it also makes me feel good that they're um, laughing along with their parents. Or let's be honest, Dean, their grandparents, a a girl in my daughter's grade three class said, my grandfather, my grandpa really likes your show. And that's something I never thought I'd be proud to hear Dean, but uh, that's, that's where I am. It's bringing them together. You know,
0: there we go. It's generations brought together by Canadian comedy. We're going to come back with more Steve Patterson. I want to get into some of the Topics that you've covered on the debaters over the years, and of course, we've got some live shows coming up here in Toronto to mention. We'll be back with more Steve Patterson right here on Inside Jokes.
2: Hey, this is Steve Patterson. You're listening to Inside Jokes on AM 640 or on the podcast, or maybe on ham radio. If so, get out of the bunker, it's over.
0: Back to Inside Jokes right here on 640 Toronto, and of course, streaming all across the known universe, wherever there's the internets on Global News Online. We are talking all about pods tonight. And right now, we have the host of the long running CBC radio hit slash podcast, The Debaters, Steve Patterson. By the way, I mean, one thing that's so interesting I mean, obviously, I love the format of The Debaters, it's something completely unique in Canadian comedy, and again, as we were saying before the break, I think that's really. The recipe for the success of this show and why it's remained such a fan hit for, I mean, 17 seasons and counting. And the topics of this show, the topics of the debates are so widely varied. I mean, sometimes it's just so silly and absurd and over the top. And every once in a while, the debates do delve more into the political and more actual hot button social issues issues. Has the have the and I mean obviously it's comedians doing this and it's just sort of a fun live writing exercise. It's comics getting to sort of step outside of their material and just sort of be themselves in front of a live live audience. Have the debates ever gotten actually truly heated, though, over the years? Has anybody actually sort of gone toe to toe and actually got fired up by
2: whatever topic they were debating? Yeah, you know, I I it's it's tough. Um we had a debate recently that was about. Uh, soccer, easy enough, right? It was about, is, is the World Cup the greatest uh, event in the history of the of sports or something? I can't remember the exact <laughs> resolution. but, um, you know, there's a lot of things around the World Cup, particularly the one that just took place in Qatar that um, it's not easy to tackle in a comedy show in, in 20 minutes and, and it, those came up and it was pretty tough. <laughs> things were left unresolved, certainly. it's it, the, the debates are, I won't say easier to do because they put the same effort in whether they're debating cake versus pie or reasonable accommodations for new, can, new Canadians. You know, there, there's, yeah. we, we've tackled the full gamut and, you know, in our most recent tapings that we did in, in Toronto a couple of weeks ago, we debated whether more highways are really needed, which is obviously a, a real, a real life issue right now in, in Ontario and in other places. I think that when, when they come in, with, pe- with a, a preconceived notion, like the the audience is obviously on a side already, and it's usually with our audience, the, the progressive side, but we end up doing a debate that's kind of tongue in cheek and ends up kind of piling onto one side. However, inevitably points come up during that, even though they're comedic, that, that it is how the other side of things are thinking. They're just not thinking yeah. of it comedically. So um, it does get heated and the debaters really do want to win. And it's funny how when we have a topic that we're like, this is a great topic, everyone's talking about this. So we're, <laughs> we're this is going to be great. And it ends up being a, a really tough assignment for people because the more invested the, the audience is in the resolution and one side of it, the less they're uh, willing to go with the other side for, yeah. for jokes. So we kind of want to walk down the middle when we can. But I'm super proud of, of our debaters. We have a lot of, you know, we have some really, really smart Uh, comedians on it Charlie Demers out of out of the West Coast is you know I think he I believe he's one of the head speechwriters for the the premier of BC right now he's he is inside politics and when he does a debate he has things coming up uh, that most comedians wouldn't think to do he also had an Emile Emile Kant quote uh, in the last debate which I would suggest people listen for on the podcast You don't get a lot of Emile Kant jokes.
0: No, you don't get a lot of that in Kant. <laughs> By the way, I mean, who would you say are some of the more formidable debaters in Canadian comedy? Because, I mean, there's there's certainly some comics who just take to it much more naturally and, and are they're pretty hard to spar with on stage.
2: Yeah, we, we've got a really great growing stable uh, we had a debate in Ottawa not long ago between Derek Sagan and Dave Hempstead, who had never debated against each other. And it, it, I felt like I was the, you know, the I felt like Vince McMahon in the middle of a WrestleMania or something. They, <laughs> there was so much love for both of those, you know, heavyweight debaters. And they, I, I think Dave edged out Derek in that one. But even Dave said, "Wow, that was that was a real a real test." Like they, when people like that go against each other, Ivan Decker is really good at it. Erica Sigurdsson a lot of West coast where we've based it, you know, they've had the most practice. I think they're great at it, but we also have people that have just naturally taken to it. Eric Peterson has become a favorite for us. Yeah, uh, um, He just did a debate against Lauren Cardinal uh, in Toronto. And it was, I mean, he's a trained, tra- trained Shakespearean actor. So I think the first one we ever had him debate was whether William Shatner is the best actor in the world. And that was one of our, <laughs> one of our most memorable ones. So we, we do have a growing stable. I hate to say any specific names cause you always miss out on some but then we get some people that you know that for some reason their their point of view is just lends itself perfectly john steinberg is is a personal favorite of mine he's such a great deadpan comic and he he only has to write a few words they're always good you know what i mean everything everything he says is 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 worth it so he's he's definitely one of my favorites i think he debated on behalf of highways actually which uh was a tough sell to a cbc crowd but he did all right (laughs)
0: which by the way i mean do you have some of some favorite topics from over the years that are some of the more absurd things that that the comics have debated about because sometimes it gets pretty silly and slapstick and sort of over the top i mean yeah you do veer into the series sometimes but some of the topics get into the realm of the absurd too
2: my new shy yes well we just debated we just debated samosas versus spring rolls which was an interesting (laughs) no one's no one's talking about that no one's coming out in the streets and Throwing down, you know, samosas versus spring rolls, but it was Andrew Fung versus Ali Hassan. It was their family <laughs> background, so you know, I I remember Arthur Simeon doing an early debate on dark chocolate versus milk chocolate that uh, that came out of nowhere, but it was yeah. I think that was Arthur's first debate. It was great. So it's just, yeah. I, again, the the least, uh, the less you know, connected the audience is to the topic, they kind of come in with it with an open mind. It's it's amazing to me. I mean, we actually debated apples versus oranges. <laughs> Uh, one point. and uh and it was a good one i think it was derek sagan david pride and there's there's you know there, they they always make it about so much more than the actual topic and you end up with a debate that brings up a lot of uncomfortable questions for people
0: yeah it does just sort of spring open from there uh steve patterson before we let you go you do have some live uh shows coming up here in toronto at the paradise so where where can we catch you live here in the city and of course where can we go listen to the debaters tune in get the podcast all that good stuff.
2: Uh, the podcast is as everyone seems to promote podcasts is available wherever you get your podcasts. I always love that quote. Go find it yourself, sucker. Um, that's what my producers have told me. But it, it is, you know, Apple, Spotify, on CBC, uh, obviously on Gem. Um, and I've got, yeah, the Paradise Theatre shows are coming up April 29th. So you can go to stevepatterson.ca, I think, for those tickets, where I get to actually record some of my own stand-up, which I haven't done in a while. I'm looking really forward to that. So we're going to uh, fill a, fill the place up. And then we have more debaters tapings coming up in Winnipeg in May and in Halifax in June. So we hope to see as many fans out live and and or listening as possible.
0: There we go. Don't forget to tune into the debaters, both podcast form and on the air on CBC Radio. And, of course, catch Steve Patterson live here in toronto april 29th at the paradise check out those shows steve patterson thank you so
2: much thank you so much again it's uh, we don't have enough people championing comedy and you guys are doing a great job so thank you very much
0: well thank you and of course season 17 seasons and counting we love it that doesn't happen a lot in canadian comedy we're going to come back with more podcast invasion here on inside jokes we're going to flip it over to inside behind the scenes of saturday night live we'll be right back right here on 640 toronto
1: Hey, everybody. It is John Schneider from the Saturday Night Network here on Inside Jokes.
0: Welcome back to Inside Jokes, baby, right here on 640 Toronto. And once again, don't forget, this week's episode is brought to you by literally no one at all. We are open for biz and Believe me, we are not picky. Hit us up for season eight. All right. Thank you again to our good friend, Steve Patterson. Don't forget to check out the hit CBC radio show and podcast, The Debaters, and see him coming up live April 29th at Toronto's Paradise Theatre. But now we are flipping gears to another podcast that takes us behind the scenes of yet another iconic brand in comedy, and arguably the most iconic brand in the history of comedy. Longest running live show, and of course, been a career launcher for some of the comedy's best and brightest for five decades and counting so we're catching up with john schneider who is the creator host and producer of the hit saturday night live podcast which of course does take listeners behind the scenes of 30 rock and what happens on and off stage at snl one of again one of the most notorious long-running shows in the history of comedy john how are you doing
1: tonight I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Just to make sure all the listeners know it's the Saturday Night Network. That's where, yeah. where people can find it and we'll get to uh, talk all about it. But I'm so pleased to uh, join you today.
0: How did, how did this whole podcast come to fruition in the first place? Because one thing I was mentioning earlier in the show when we were sort of teeing up you joining us later on was a lot of our listeners, I'm sure, read live from New York, which was this book that came... I, I mean, it's nearly a decade ago now, but it was sort of this tome that took you behind the scenes... Of Saturday Night Live and some of the more unknown stories and some of the dirt in a way that's happened on and off stage and in those hallways over the past decades of that show. This is sort of the podcast answer to that. And of course, now with this podcast being out, that's three, four casts later in a whole other decade of this show being on the air later. So how did this whole thing come together in the first
1: place? Well, thank you very much. First of all, totally honored to be mentioned in the same sentence as that book, which uh, was Andrew Shales and James um, put that together. They're they're just unbelievable. Uh, But you know, when I first started watching Saturday Night Live, this was you know when I was in high school and that's typically when most people get into the show and they fall in love with the cast and it's a way to bond with your friends talking about sketch comedy and I am a Canadian myself and a Canadian who happens to be very influenced by American pop culture and there's really no bigger show for that than Saturday Night Live where you get to find out what's what everybody's talking about in politics in music uh, all the celebrity culture so I was always fascinated with the show and uh, the 40th anniversary of the show believe it or not 40 years 2015 I I was watching that program it was this huge night known as the biggest night in comedy where all of the previous cast members and hosts were going to come back to snl in new york and put on like this three-hour show that was absolutely fascinating and i was watching it as such a huge fan of the show and i said to myself i was like am i not Doing the experience right by not going back all the way to 1975 where the show originally started understanding how these cast members how these people who are in all the biggest movies in the world came to be so i did that and i went back and i watched almost you know over 900 practically a thousand episodes of saturday night live and you know, just to see the comedy develop, I thought was so fascinating. And there's all these stories there, which you can read in the, you know, in books or, or podcasts, documentaries, but it was really, you know, getting that experience that changed, you know, how I viewed the show. And through that all, I ended up, I'm a huge sports fan myself. So I ended up taking detailed statistics of everything that was happening. Like how many people were in each sketch, um, you know, like he started doing episode counts and stuff like that. And I created a Twitter account called SNL stats, where I would put analytics each week of the show up. And yeah. I ended up getting contacted from people who both worked at the show and were related to cast members on the show. And they were like, hey, you know, if you have information that can help us succeed on the show, then we would love to talk to you about it. So it was that from that perspective that it was like, you know, somebody who's training to be a great you know athlete. A hockey player they want to get as much data as possible so it was the same way as all these cast members want to learn to succeed on the show so it started like that and then eventually it turned from just a twitter account into a snl stats podcast And eventually, as we started to, you know, build these roundtables filled with journalists who covered the show, uh, super fans from around the world, and even show alumni, I realized we could be much more than statistics. We could be a whole network of people from around the world who really love the show and know how to break it down in detail. And that's how we sort of developed into the Saturday Night Network as it's known today. Which is kind of funny. Well, you so you basically started off by moneyballing Saturday Night Live, is what you
0: said. Exactly. (laughs) But it is kind of funny that you pointed out is that there's so there's so much nostalgia tied to this show, and I mean, I think that's why. I mean, even I wrote an op-ed in the Guardian for their 40th anniversary of SNL, which now that's a decade ago. But there's so much nostalgia and loyalty tied to this show, which I think is the secret ingredient. Like you said, everybody has their own their cast that they grew up with. Everybody listening to this show remembers the first time you watched Saturday Night Live and you remember who your cast was. You're always loyal to your cast. And it's kind of funny now, you know, in the age of Generation TikTok and online content and all this stuff, and we're talking about a hit podcast network based around Saturday Night Live, it's kind of a dying breed. It's kind of interesting that even right now, Saturday Night Live still continues to be such a culturally relevant sort of quote-unquote water cooler show in an era where, honestly, watching something live on television and tuning into something at the same time every week on network television, we're really at the end of that era. Like, that's really a dying thing. And SNL still remains just this cultural juggernaut even to this day. So how much does this podcast interact with sort of a new era of SNL audience and, and, and the current new cast of that show?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll just say, I mean, I think the three things that are left now that do exactly what you're talking about are live sports, probably award shows, and Saturday Night Live. It's really the last TV show that's put together. That's a thing that, you know, people are watching together and get to talk about. So I think that SNL still has those uh, elements to it. And I actually wish that the show would, you know, Focus more on that, maybe create a pregame show or a post-game show in the way yeah. that you would see sports. And that's sort of where we we take that place. But basically, you know, I had some great conversations. Right now we're actually, you know, we're on the press list for the show. We're the first podcast to ever be considered, you know, press for the show, like a lot of the online publications and the newspapers that cover it. So we get to interact with the PR team at NBC, who's been absolutely fantastic to us. We've gotten to interview uh cast members and former cast members, people on the crew, and all of that stuff. And just to get some behind the scenes stories has been fantastic. But one of the great conversations I had when went to New York last year was, you know, previous generations, they would perform on the show. And then on Sundays, they would open up the New York Times and be like, what did this person say about the sketches? And then last generation, it was like, let's go to websites and see what the reviews were. And now it's let's listen to podcasts and hear what people thought about it. So we are sort of coming into this place where people who are more invested in the show will actually come to podcasts as opposed to the written word, which I think is an interesting way to view analysis of the show.
0: Well, and it is kind of I mean, and again, because people are so diehard to whatever their particular cast was on that show. So I mean the the funny double-edged sword of that is over the years for SNL there's been peaks and valleys because you'll have all these people going like, no, this this current cast, that's not like the cast I grew up with. This show is coming to an end. But they're always wrong. I mean, it still remains just again, such a cultural force. It's hard to imagine it's hard to imagine a comedy landscape at this point without SNL.
1: Yeah, but can I just say, I mean, I think that that is a, a big misconception. I mean, yeah. even if you love sports, right? And then again, I compare SNL to sports a lot. I know it's not exactly the same, but it is very similar. Because if you love a sports team and you stop watching them when they're bad, then are you really really a fan of that sports team that's right i know that there's been bad episodes or bad seasons of snl compared to others but bad snl is still snl to me it's still part of history so i think that you know being able to you know view it analyze it understand what happened what may have gone wrong which sketches could have worked better if they went in a different direction uh what it means to these cast members to potentially be on there's all these things to talk about even with not great snl
0: it is true which by the way i mean you I was curious how much you do get to sort of interact with past and present cast members. I mean, while well, the I mean Molly Shannon is guest hosting on there coming up this exact week, which is huge, exciting. I'm a huge fan of Molly Shannon's. But how often does that happen for you? How much? Is, how? What is the relationship
1: like between former cast members, and what has their response been to this? So former cast members have been pretty fantastic with us. I mean, it, it ranges, obviously there's a, you know, different degrees of celebrity that get involved with different cast members, but uh, we've heard some really great stories from people. We actually have a podcast series on the network called SNL stories, where we go back and we hear some things about, you know, how they wrote different sketches, what the behind the scenes were. I think a lot of people feel that, you know, when they're on the show, there is a big degree of separation between the fans of the show and the people on the show. And I think that's by design, but once you get off of the show, it's like, Oh, they could breathe and they could actually talk about their experience a little bit more. So we do provide them that platform, which has been great. And yeah, while people are currently on the show, you know, it is a little bit tougher to get the behind the scenes of what happens on a day-to-day basis. We try our best to, you know, build good relationships and network and try and uh, be respectful of there. But yeah, we want to always, you know, credit the people who worked on sketches, the writers, the producers. We always try and shout out people in the crew. I mean, SNL has a crew of just like incredible people in all the departments. Uh, there's a lot of, been to- there's been a lot of talk about uh, the people who produced the pre-tapes this season as they just got a new contract and there was the consideration of a strike. And so we made sure to cover that to be able to properly give them their credit. So uh, yeah, the relationships between people on the show and, you know, the the world itself is uh, Uh, they vary but for us it's important to be able to properly um, you know mark their work down so people remember them
0: it is kind of funny too how much the because SNL at this point is such a heritage such an institution in comedy it's such a polished thing at this point the culture behind the scenes of Saturday Night Live has vastly changed so much partially with the times and partially just because it is such an institution It's funny, like, and I mean, Live from New York covered a lot of these sort of the dirt in a way and a lot of these backstage stories, because obviously the earlier casts of that show, this sort of ragtag group of performers in this show was sort of seen as an experimental thing at the time. So there was a lot of sort of, you know, sex, drugs and rock and roll that notoriously happened behind the scenes. That's not the case now. Now, I mean, now, if you if you're an upcoming comic who gets to be a part of the cast of SNL or gets to join the writers room. There's a professional, it's it's sort of like that, that's a career launcher and, and it is such an institution now. So the the era behind the scenes has vastly changed as well
1: well I would say that there are still like alliances that form between cast members and writers and there are still stories that I'm sure emanate there it's not like in the 70s when everything was sort of what you hear like just being completely wild and fights breaking out behind the scenes and all that stuff maybe it's not exactly the same now but I think that also you know NBC does a great job of you know their their PR team makes sure that none of that stuff if it was to happen would come out in the way that it did so I think they're over time uh you know it's great to some sort of uncover stories but for the most part I think that the cast genuinely likes each other a lot more
0: yeah that is true and again there does there just seems to be this sort of professionalism to it you know it's not sort of this like pirate crew of like rogue comedians that it that it once was because again i mean that when snl started it was like "Ah, this might get canceled next week we have no idea we can't even believe they're allowing us to do this and now at this point it is such a cultural behemoth which again for this show to be so as relevant and as topical as it still is to this point is astounding because we are moving away from that era of live television and SNL just keeps on keeping on. All right, we're going to come back with more John Schneider and more of the Saturday Night Network and behind the scenes of Saturday Night Live. We'll be back right here with more Inside Jokes. Hi, my name is Amanda Day and you are listening to Inside Jokes on 640. Welcome back to Inside Jokes, right here on 640 Toronto, and as always, streaming coast to coast, Canada-wide on the Global News Network. We are talking all things podcast, and right now it is behind the scenes of Saturday Night Live, one of comedy's most iconic institutions. We have John Schneider, who is of course host, creator, and producer of the Saturday Night Network, which takes listeners behind the scenes of SNL, past and present, on a weekly basis. John, one thing that I think that is very interesting that you do on this network and on these shows, is you do this sort of like, as you you like to use sports analogies for this, but you you do basically a post game analysis on that night's episode of SNL where you sort of break it down. What did we think of the host? Who are what are some of our favorite sketches? Which is interesting. Nobody's nobody's really doing that. And again, as I was saying before the break, the fascinating thing about SNL is the fact that it is still such, as I like to call it, a water cooler show in this era of streaming content and TikTok and not watching things live anymore, SNL just continues to thrive in that format. But I love this whole post-game analysis because nobody's doing that. It reminds me of when MTV Canada used to do that with
1: The Hills, except that was just a show about dumb,
0: sexy people going for brunch. But still...
1: Right, exactly. Yes. Well, this is this is really fun because what we do is when the clock strikes you know, 1, 10 AM, we are live on YouTube breaking down that episode from the night. And most of the people who are staying up to watch SNL are night owls anyways. So they watch the show. They're not exactly sure what to think of the sketches. And we are there to break everything down. We have a rotating cast of panelists from all over the world who come onto the show with us. And we go through everything sketch by sketch and talk about it. And we also have a live chat there. So we incorporate their thoughts as well to really get an idea of what the community thought of the episode it is really interesting to compare and contrast that to the show that we do on monday nights which is our roundtable because at that point we've watched the episode two or three times we're really able to talk about the moments and sketches and stretch them out but sometimes our opinions are actually different because seeing something raw and reacting to it is not the same as doing deep analysis on it so that's why i enjoy having multiple shows in a given week to cover the episode
0: Well, I mean, again, that's what I still love about SNL after all these years is there is that feeling of anything can happen. Like, obviously, it's a very polished show, but the process of SNL remains absolutely insane. If you think about it, it's like they have the writer's room has a week to put together this entire thing and to be topical and relevant. And they have a week to pitch these shows and polish it and put it all together and rehearse it. That's it. And then it goes live in front of the entire world. and. Even after five decades of this show, that format still astounds me because, I mean, the actual daunting process of putting this show to air, it's a pressure cooker.
1: Well, let me give you a great example, because last week on the show, we had host Quinta Brunson from Abbott Elementary, and it was a really fun episode. But it was only the second time in SNL's history that a show aired on April Fool's. So what happened was in this episode is Michael Che, one of the hosts of Weekend Update, he actually went out to the audience before the show and he said, "Okay, on Weekend Update tonight... I don't want you to laugh at Colin Jost's jokes. That's the other anchor on Weekend Update. I want you to only laugh at my jokes. And, you know, this is pretty unprecedented that something like this would happen in a show that's supposed to be prepared. And Weekend Update starts and Jost is bombing, but everyone's cheering for Che. (laughs) And he is just there's flop sweat and everything. And at one point, uh, someone from the audience, which we later found out was a writer, comes out and yells, you stink to Colin Jost. And it was like, what, you know, you're watching this live and you're like, what is going on? Like, they're breaking format. This is crazy. Everyone, like, I can see online, everyone's going nuts. And then Che says, Yeah, I told everybody not to laugh at you for April Fools. And Colin is just going, like, he's like, Oh my God, I'm, was I not Mike's? Like, this is the meanest thing you've ever done to me. And it was such a great raw live moment. But people who are watching the show, they were like, sort of confused, like, what really happened here? So to be able to come onto our show afterwards and that I was able to explain, okay, yeah, one of the writers, John Higgins, he came out, he was the one who yelled, you stink. And this is what happened with the, you know, with the joke. Everyone was like, okay, now I understand exactly what happened tonight. So I think that there is importance in being able to break things down analytically after the show.
2: Wow. It's like
0: spoilers. It's like, you got <laughs> like a... okay, I, w- I want to get back to this, this grading stuff. Do you actually have scorecards? Like what are they graded on the hosts?
1: Uh, Well, you know. I, I'm i very careful about how we do that because I find that there's a, a little bit of a subjective nature when you talk about, you know, giving specific grades to sketches. I'm not like ABCD, that type of thing. But I do say do which sketches like? I think stand out or not. And we definitely give a like a, out of 10 how we felt about the episode. But the real analytics on our show really comes from our by the number show that we do on Wednesday nights. And we have uh, somebody named Mike Murray. He's like the most amazing mathematician analyst that there is. He actually records screen time of every single person. Person that goes on the show in a given night and does power rankings of the given week. So when you watch that show, he breaks down things like completely objectively, not subjectively. He goes through everything and talks about who's doing well on the cast or not. And it's a really great way to look at the show because then you can understand it a lot more by feeling and understanding who was actually on screen that week.
0: Wow, that's uh, that's a lot of info. Okay, I'm going to ask it because I got to. The last host, that sucked. was (laughs)
2: was <laughs>
1: <Ooh>. <laughs> well uh woody harrelson hosted the show for the fifth time last month and i would say that it was probably our my least favorite edition of a woody hosting the show it was his fifth time people were excited it was the five-timers club potentially if him coming out getting his jacket it's a big snl tradition and yeah. i would say that was not my favorite episode of the season by far i think snl has had a great season been on a really great run but that was probably a little bit of a dip in quality compared to the other episodes
0: I do love those moments in SNL over the years. By the way, where you had some of those really cringy moments where the host absolutely either did something that no one knew they were going to do or bombed, like Adrian Brody coming out in in a in a wig doing Jamaican patois and just completely eating it. Like, and Lauren was not happy. But those moments over the years are that's some of my favorite SNL stuff because again, there is that element of anything can go off and anything can happen. One hundred percent. There's so many of these stories that we could get into all day with you, though, John. And I mean, obviously, that's the whole reason why this network and these shows are such a massive hit, because there is so much lore and mythos behind SNL and a lot of behind the scenes stuff that we don't that we don't necessarily know about. Um, but before, so, by the way, what what were one of your biggest gets for this? I mean, again, you have Molly Shannon hosting guest hosting this week, which is huge. I mean, what was sort of the first big moment like that for you where you went? Okay, I guess this is a legitimate thing now
1: well for us uh you know on the podcast at least we had bobby moynihan on earlier this season he's absolutely one of my favorites he is just like all of you who love watching the show he he was a fan of the show and got onto the show and we did a full hour with bobby where we got to hear some behind the scenes stories about his sketches we very recently spoke to daryl hammond who is the current announcer on the show and is one of the longest yeah. running cast members so those two episodes i definitely recommend the daryl one was fascinating because you got to see his mindset and how he went about being on the show so those are two examples of some of the people that we've spoken to to give you a little bit of background on SNL and the people who have been a part of it for so many years.
0: Yeah, I think the I think the top three for uh longest time cast members were Daryl Hammond, uh, Tim Meadows and Keenan Thompson, who I, th- I guess is the record holder. he's now. still on the show. He's still yeah, I think, on the show. I think actually Seth Myers uh with uh, uh, Seth Myers. All uh, right, John, before Ke- we uh before we wrap it up, where can we where can of course we listen to this, find this network, listen to the shows, all that good stuff.
1: Yeah, if you want to be a part of what we're doing here and help, you know, recap the show, I mean, obviously love to hear from all of our listeners. It's a really community-based podcast. You can find us on YouTube. Search the Saturday Night Network. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, and on social media at the SNL Network, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram.
0: There we go. That is our show. Thank you again to John Schneider and, of course, our friend Steve Patterson. You can find all of our episodes every Saturday night here on 640 Toronto, and, of course, stream all of the episodes right back to the dawn of time on Global News Online. That is our show. We'll be back next week.
1: Hi, this is Alicia Carusi, and you're listening to my aunt, Sandra Carusi's Comedy Rx. Today's Comedy Rx is Steve Patterson.
3: I, uh, I gotta be honest, I actually went, uh, I took French in Ontario in the 1980s, and uh, they weren't really trying. <laughs> I hope it's better now. We, we had a thing in Ontario called a French Immersion, which they would just uh, hold you under water till you could speak French. (laughs) My French teacher, this is not a joke, my French teacher in Toronto, Ontario was named Monsieur Giancarlantonio. (laughs) I don't know if you can tell from where you're sitting, that's not a traditional French name, very Italian. And it was an Italian Catholic, it was a French Catholic, School. It was an Italian Catholic. You ever met an Italian man in a Catholic school setting can't control himself? Comes in, and he's got a button-down shirt, hey, But all the buttons are undone. <laughs> Except for the very bottom, because he's got a crucifix that you could fit an actual-sized Jesus on. Just a massive, He's so proud of Jesus, and still... You can barely see it through the thicket of chest hair. Have you ever seen an Italian man? They are the genesis of testosterone. It was completely, you couldn't learn anything. It was too mesmerizing. Occasionally you'd get a little glimpse of the crucifix. Jesus in the jungle, I called it, just just peering out at you.